Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A once-in-a-generation talent, Amy Winehouse was a musician that captured the world's attention with her unforgettable voice and charisma, a pure jazz artist in the most authentic sense. Amy poured her heart and her soul into the music, expressing personal struggles and pain through her intimate lyrics. From BAFTA award-winning director Asif Kapadia, known for Senna, Amy tells an incredible story of a six-time Grammy Award winner Amy Winehouse in her own words, featuring extensive unseen archival footage in previously unheard tracks. This strikingly modern and moving vital film shines a light on our culture and the world we live in today. We're joined, as I said, by Asif Kapadia, the director of Amy, the documentary on the life of Amy Winehouse. Asif, welcome to Film School. Thanks. Always good to be back at Film School. Yes. Well, I'm uh, welcome back. And um, the uh, the film is just terrific. I I, uh, I saw it when it was in theaters, and I saw it again uh, yesterday. And what a powerful voice! What a powerful personality! But let's go back to the roots of your involvement with this uh, story. How did it come to you? And what was it that prompted you to want to move forward and and turn this into a documentary? Um, in a way, really, the film is connected um, to to Senna. It came off the back of um, the success of Senna and people liking Senna and, and the kind of technique on how that film was made. And just somebody meeting my producer on Senna and just saying, look, really love that film. Would you at all ever be interested in making a film about Amy? In a, uh, however you want. But, you know, that film had really resonated with this person who was kind of connected at uh, high up at Universal Music in London, and contacted James, my producer. James called me up and said, what do you think? Because we had been offered a lot of sports films post-Senna. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. lots of people got in touch from all over the world, huge, huge stars, saying, would you make a film about me? Would you make a film about me? And I didn't really want to repeat myself again, have, uh, having done Senna and been really happy with it. And so I was kind of looking for material, and there was just something about the call about Amy, which, which kind of, touched me because I'm a North Londoner and Amy was a local girl. This story went on down the street. I mean, her home was like half a mile away from my home where all of the paparazzi are hanging around and lingering outside her front door. I was really close to that. So there was just something that there were questions in my mind where I didn't understand why her story had to pan out the way it did, why she was kind of hanging around Camden in such a bad way? Why was she performing when she was in such a bad way? When everyone could see it was going in a certain direction. Um, I didn't know her personally. I never met her. I never saw her live. So I I didn't go into the film as a huge fan of Amy Winehouse. I went in there as a kind of filmmaker with questions, and it became quite a journalistic experience, an investigation almost of of form, Um, to, to try to unravel what had gone on and why things had happened and to see, you know, how deep we could get into a character. And along the way, I, I really liked her. I really, you know, we all fell in love with her. We, then I thought, oh, my God, I'm an amazing fan. But I liked her personality. I liked her humor. I liked her intelligence and her wit. And that made her even more kind of endearing because she really was like a local girl. She was like everyone I knew growing up. Um, so that's kind of how it came about. Yeah. Well, and also, I, I, from my perspective, and 
I, I came at this uh, watching Amy from very much the same perspective. I was familiar with her. Uh, I thought, I you know, I, I enjoyed what I had heard. But by the time I caught up with her, and I think this is the case for America in general, Americans uh, uh, who, who heard of her, she came to us as kind of the, the train wreck part of her yeah, life. I mean, that was, honestly, that was the line that everyone used. You know, you really experienced her as she had become mega famous and, you know, the second album had come out and, you know, around the time of the Grammys and, and she was not the same person anymore. Well, and she was known for being something other than this amazing singer for me. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. But no, yeah. you're right. I think, I think that's, that's what became kind of the the reason why it became quite important for us to make the film, I suppose, along the way, because I kept meeting people who, who had interviewed her, who'd met her, or had seen her on TV, and were so dismissive, and, and really put her down. And a lot of people were quite cruel and horrible about her. Yeah. And I kept saying, you never met the real Amy Nissen. I met her. I was in the, you know, I interviewed her. She had nothing to say. She's a bit of an idiot. You know, she gets everything she deserves. And, and they kind of become like a private mission to say, you thought you met. You, you don't really know who the real person is. You don't understand the story of why things may have happened the way they did and why, you know, she was in that state. And even like, honestly, yesterday, it happens every time. There are people who've seen the film and I have, you know, they, they're quite emotionally and almost psychologically affected by what they see in the film and, and think about their own part in what happened. But yesterday I, I arrived in Hollywood, I arrived in LA and my cab driver was taking me home and we started talking and he said, oh, I'm, you know, I really don't like Amy Winehouse. I really, you know, I'm not a fan. You know, I've got no interest in her. I love that Senna film, but I've got no interest in seeing this. And I was like, you, you don't know her. You know, it became this kind of thing where it kind of drive us mad, saying, until you see it, you don't really know who she was. You haven't got a clue, because whether we read the tabloids or not, our perception of her came from a very tabloidy um, kind of point of view. It came from what was put out there, and that's the only information we got. Whenever I did any research and I looked online, I'd look up a picture, I'd look up some information about Amy and a, an awful picture of her in the worst possible state would always come up. And I remember thinking, why is there never a nice picture of her online? Why is there also always a horrible, horrible image of her at looking her worst? And, and it became almost like a, one of the small things I'd love to do is the perception people have of Amy Winehouse when they think of her would be a positive, younger, healthier person who, who actually had a hell of a lot going for her and was happy and was talented and was really amazingly creative and fun. Uh, I wanna, not, the, not the latter girl, that, that's kind of a shell of a person. Right. I want to revisit this particular line of, of thought because I, I really want to ask about, is there something about her gender, her, her uh, religion? Is there something, is there a subtext that we're missing here? That is, but I'll tell you why I, why I fell in love with her through your film, by the way, was her vulnerability. I yeah, mean, and yeah, she's human. Well, human, but also just desperate. She's a she was a woman in tremendous pain, and she and she was trying to. I think she, obviously self medicating to to yeah. to help herself through this, but uh, throughout it, through the whole ex- her whole life, she seemed to be always at some level reaching out for someone to validate her. Yes, and absolutely. I was very emotional by the time. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, she needs a hug. She needs some love. She needs someone to just tell her she's great. She needs someone to... It's, it's the way I... The more I got to kind of know her, I suppose, and the, mo- the more people I spoke to, the more it seemed like it was really about the simple things, yeah. about just wanting to be loved, yeah. about wanting someone to tell her, you're special, you're great for who you are. 
not because you're rich and because you're famous and because you sell lots of records and everything that comes with fame and success, but you be you as a person deep down inside the real person. And I think this idea of someone, you know, she's searching essentially. The Tony Bennett scene really sums it up. She's yeah. searching for some sort of father figure. She's searching for someone to come in here and protect her, yeah. whether it's a husband, whether it's a boyfriend, whether it's someone else. She needed that. She needed boundaries. She needed, she needed just sim- the simple things in life, and she was very vulnerable. You're right. And, you know, the way you cover that up is by having the big hair, the tattoos, the look, the snarl, the, everything that, you know, the kind of punk rocker would have had yeah. of, of trying to tell everyone, pushing everyone away, saying, don't come near me, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm quite scary, I'm dangerous, when actually underneath she's a softie. Well, and, um, yeah, and I'm going to say, so, I, I don't know how controversial this will be, but I, I also think that complicating her already complex life was the fact that the man who abandoned her, the first man to abandon her, was in her life, but in a way that was, I just never felt that he had her best interest in mind. I'm talking about her father. Uh, I don't know if you want to go there, but I, just how I felt about watching him in her life, But I, but again, the person who who in some ways is the root of her insecurity is back in her life. Well, that was a very, that had to be a very difficult dynamic for her to deal with. Really complicated personal life, really complicated situation, as you say. And, you know, once we started making the film, we realized that this is, these are the issues that really, you can see this is what's key. This is at the heart and the root of all of it. It's to do with the setup, to do with parents, it's to do with families, to do with, the people who were there at the beginning when you're you're forming as a person in your, your early years, your teen years, you know, the issues were there from very young age. And and when you become famous, you stop growing up almost. You get stuck. It's like right. a scratch record. Right. And, and if those issues are not secure, if you're not built on a solid foundation, the taller this skyscraper gets with success and fame, the more likely it's going to fall, you know. And so that that's all, it all seems to come back to the simple things. And mm-hmm. absolutely, she just needed certain people around her to come in and to to look after and protect her. And that's all she wanted, I think. Um, and the rest of it was kind of sometimes covering things up. I think this everything we're talking about is why I think the film has resonated with people because um, these are kind of very down-to-earth, simple kind of issues, important issues about family, about parenting, about love, about you know who you fall in love with, about friendship, um, and then it becomes about art and creativity and how if you have problems, if you have self doubt and 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 issues, how certain people find a way to express it through writing, poetry, songs, painting, whatever it might be, drawing. You know, you find some way of focusing the the, the issues that you have to turn it into something positive, which is where the music then came, came from. Right. Um, but that can only also take you so far you know because then suddenly that gets taken away from her because you become a pop star and a rock star that's the whole that the whole thing for the filmmakers for myself and my editor my producer was that the more we learned the more we felt it's really important we make this film now because at the beginning everyone said it's too soon she's only just died leave her alone you know just you know you need a bit of time don't you you need a bit of time to pass before you deal with these issues because that's what we had with senna you know it'd been like 15 16 17 years after he had died that we started making a movie and this film, it was so recent, it was so raw, but the more we learned, the more we found out, the more important it seemed to tell the story about the way we live now. This is a story of our time. This is a story of my city. This is a story of the media. Yeah, yeah. It's a story of the business, the entertainment business, about kids and 
things like bulimia. Everyone I talked to now, the number of people who said they took their daughter or their son to see it because this is an important film for young people to see just as much as older people. It's a film for kind of fans and people who really couldn't stand her because they thought she was a fool. And they were really horrible to her, you know, online or to their friends or people I've met now said they dressed up as Amy for Halloween. You know, it was like easy. She wasn't human. You could humiliate her and no one was ever going to come back. TV comedians that we all love, no one loves, kind of made fun of her without ever thinking about it being an issue that she might be watching. And so this, all of these issues, is when I, the, as we started off, the more complex, the better in a way for a film, the sadder for her, really, because it was such a complex set of circumstances and cards that she was dealt. I want to get to the positive about her life and her film and her, and her, and her talent, but I just want to touch on this last thing. You mentioned doubt right? Doubt is the thing that makes creative people creative, right? You doubt you in some way questioning yourself, questioning your, your perspective, your outlook, your, your art. That's what makes people great at what they do is, is to challenge themselves and to introduce this self-doubt in a way that hopefully is healthy and creative and, 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 and spurs the creative process. But in, her, in hers, it was, it was a double-edged sword for certain because that doubt which gave her this great artistry, is also, in many ways, what undid her. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great question because, yeah, that, that aspect of the story is when I just felt really like, okay, every, every time I make a film, somewhere or another, you kind of want it to become, you hope, it may become personal to you. Yeah. You know, it's not about me, it's not about my life, it's not about my family or anything like that, but along the way you find, okay, what is it that I can kind of understand? And the journey of her as an artist became kind of personal because you realize oh i used, you know i've written movies I've, I've written screenplays and the hardest thing ever for me is to write you know making a film directing dealing with people raising money whatever it's tough but i i that's something i can handle but the loneliness of writing something original that stands the test of time i don't think there's anything more difficult and for her to take her personal stories and her issues in her relationships and to take essentially these pages from her diary right. and to make them into these songs which Everyone knows, you know, I was, when making a film, I'd be traveling around the world, working on other things, and no matter where I went, no matter what darkest corner of this globe I went to, her song would come on on the radio, and I'd think, wow, you know, I didn't quite realize how big she was, and then you realize, everyone's listening to this song and dancing, nobody has a clue what it's actually about. Mm -hmm. So there was always this idea of, people just didn't realize how personal it all was, how she put all of her life into her art, and to her, her writing, and she put her wit into it. She put, you know, it's really original writing. And, yes. And those songs have got all of the references of jazz and hip-hop and everything, but they're very London. The language is very London. The, the people in the, in, in the songs are real people who I then met. And I just realized there's another layer, which is she, she managed to turn all of this doubt and these issues and these fears and problems into something incredibly positive. The bit that she didn't account for that nobody could was what happens when you become a pop star. Yeah. Because the, the different stages, she lived a life, she had these experiences, she then wrote them down, she then sang the songs. And that's when I thought she was an incredible performer. It's when I saw her singing these songs live without all of the kind of music, without all of the production, just her and a guitar, I was blown away. That's when I became the fan. Yeah. And I thought, this is great. The more and more she had to sing those songs, which were very personal, the more and more the people in the songs came back into her life, the more complicated it became. Because she's singing about a lot of pain, really. And then that person she's singing about who left her is standing to the stage left, watching. 
And she knows and he knows what's going on here. You know, she's now super famous and really successful and suddenly everyone's back in town. And I think that, she's so clever. That would, overtly, maybe she didn't talk about it or show it, but inside she knew what was going on, I think. And that, that's when it started to become more and more difficult. And the more people wanted her to sing rehab, essentially, you know, while she's self-medicating, holding a huge glass of wine constantly, singing this song and... You know, the irony is not funny anymore. It's not It's not good. That's a cry for help, that song, you know. So it becomes more and more more dark, I suppose, more and more complicated for her. And the experience of watching the film, suddenly we start thinking, what the hell were we doing dancing to that song, you know? How yeah. did we not realize how personal it was? Yeah. We're speaking with Asif uh, Kapadia. He is the director of this remarkable documentary called Amy, about the life of Amy Winehouse. And... I want to get to the stuff, the positive. She was an amazing singer. Her phrasing is out of this world. I wasn't, I really, I'm so glad to watch this film because I only basically knew of her, heard glimpses of her songs. Yeah. But these, her, she was a remarkable singer and powerful voice. Uh, instincts were just off the chart good at what she did. I just I want to I want to talk about her artistry for just a minute or so because yeah. it is amazing stuff. Yeah, we should, because, like I said, see, what I never thought about it before was, um, you know, I, I know about actors and working with actors and how you have method actors who, who perform depending on the mood they're in, you know, Marlon Brando, whoever it may be, they did something incredible, Pacino or, you know, De Niro, they, they, they feel the moment and they create something special, or Daniel Day-Lewis or whatever. I never really thought about singers, and when you realize that every single performance that I've seen of her, every single one is unique. She never did the same performance twice because it was all about singing a very personal song depending on how she felt at that moment and changing the song lyrics often, you know, when she was performing live yeah. and rewriting it depending on what she's moved. And that, if you were there, you saw a unique performance. The record label people and the people in the industry that I spoke to couldn't stand it because they were like, just sing the record, just sing the record. People want to dance to the record, but that was, that's where... The problem becomes, you see, is that she, she wanted to continue to create, when, depending on how she sang. And I think that's where Tony Bennett sums it up. You know, she was a jazz singer. She was a jazz performer. The whole thing about going to jazz, you can go and see the same performer every single night. You're going to get a different show, a different performance, because it's live. It's, it's alive. It's organic. And so, you know, that's what she was still trying to do, but it took a lot out of it because people just wanted to hear the dance records. The other thing that I would say is, you know, what do I know? But listen to Tony Bennett when he says she's one of the great singers and vocalists and artists that he knew, that he had come across. He should know what he's talking about. But in, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got you know, rappers like Questlove. You've got Mo Steff. She performed with the Rolling Stones. She performed with Paul Weller. You know, she basically, every different genre of music in a very short space of time, by the age of 22, she had touched all these people and performed with them. Her first album, she wrote at 16, 17, and it came out when she was 18. Second album, 2021, 20, came out when she was 21, 22. I mean, that was it. She only did two records. Yeah. Can you imagine what she would have done, as someone says, in her 30s, 40s, 50s, if she'd remained healthy, you know? So I think, I think the artistry is really important. And that's kind of why I, I like these archive films, because that footage is not great. Where you see it's really shaky cam, it's like mini DV or some really crappy quality. But when she sings, you still feel it. You really feel it. Just imagine what it would have been like to be there. Oh. So I think that's the thing. I like the rawness of her with her guitar on stage, just singing and being blown away by her. You know, two minutes before, she's messing around. She's in the restroom doing her makeup. She's shooting pool. 
then she just walks up to the stage and sings and blows you away. And so that's when I became the fan, and that's when all of the people making the film, when we realized, actually, she is really special. Yeah, I There's a couple, her... her um performance what do you, what am i trying our audition with island records yep, yep. amazing yeah uh, with a guitar and i don't think she was a particularly accomplished guitar i mean it was very basic what she was playing on guitar but her voice just took over and you i think you've complicated chords that she's played right. as well that's what a lot of musicians have seen that footage now yeah. and they say these are not simple she's 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 not the most amazing guitarist, but she's also she's quite an original kind go. of way that she writes. Because she wrote the music. You know, a lot of other people became famous, but not only did she write the songs, live the life, sing the songs, she also wrote the music. That's why she's all round such an incredible artist. So there, so there's that. Then there's a there's a I can't remember exactly what performance, but she's on stage and you can see her. You can watch it in her eyes and in her body how she's absorbing the music that she's about to sing. I mean, yeah. I'm just, I mean, yeah, it's really quite... Rise. Her, her producer, Nick, the first, first, sorry, the first manager, Nick, said to me, you could just watch her, and there's a moment when she always gets lost in the music, when her, literally, her eyes almost close and go up into her, her head, and she's just gone. She's in the zone. That, and you're right, there's a few moments like that where you just feel it. That, that's tremendous confidence in yourself. I mean, at her core, when she was by herself away from the things that were distracting and destructive in her life she was amazingly confident you have to be to be that good mm. uh, I thought and then the yeah. second thing is the last uh, one that got me was uh, in the studio when she's recording um, um, back to black back to black that that moment where she finishes the song and then she almost immediately becomes very vulnerable in, yeah. in front of the producer which yeah. again, comments almost on her own writing and it's like she never heard it before you know she's always quite sad isn't it yeah oh. it's really yeah that's a that's a, i mean that's the the wonder when you l keep searching and you look hard enough and you just get lucky to think that there was a camera there recording her singing that song yeah. and ronson said to us you know she basically would do one or two takes there was never any editing it wasn't like she did 50 takes and they take the beginning from one and the ending from another she would do two or three takes of each song each one would be brilliant. Each one would be totally different. And he would just say, okay, enough. We've got too many good versions already. I'll pick one of those. Well, then... And none of them remembered a camera being there. You know, Mark Ronson did not remember a camera being present. Uh, well, uh, you, and you're talking, you, you're talking about the, the gathering of the archival footage. I thought it was all very appropriate. It all worked really well. Your editor, fantastic. Is that Chris King? Did a fantastic yep. job of gathering this in, up and then pulling it together, you as well, obviously, a big part of this. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, just the, 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 it's just a really structurally and in and, and terms of pacing and getting to know her, getting her friends. That I love the, the technique you used it in Santa of the, without them being on, on screen, but we're hearing their voice, the sort of uh, the ongoing narration of the different people in her life. And, and uh, not to be sad about, the, there's one thing that was terribly, terribly heartbreaking was, um, was it the American Music Award? Whatever award she won as she's the walking. Grammys. Up, the Grammys. Where she's walking up the stage and Blake comes up and walks her off the, out of the auditorium. Oh, no, yeah, that's the Mercury Awards. Yeah, that's. that's that yeah. made me so sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that kind of shows you what was going on. He, he, he became, at that point, quite a controlling character in a way and literally it's like you know your mind come on yeah so yeah. but the the and i'm sure you're you've got to be just uh very happy with the reaction it's got a, it's on the short list for the academy awards i'm sure bafta 
uh, is it uh have you already had the baptist item i should know this no they they will be like next year just before the academy awards uh, so is, is, there's, there's no there's no shortlist stage there, at some point I, I guess early next year there'll be nominations yeah well it's going to do really well <laughs> I hope so. um but it is just a fantastic film fantastic uh in terms of just cinematically it's it's wonderful i know this was a real process to get all of this uh uh, this footage, and I know you got lucky. I don't want to get all that because it, it's it's the story behind the story. But you did a fantastic, you and your team did a fantastic job of pulling so much of this together. And her friends who really cared about her and talking about them. It's it's I, the surprising thing for me was getting to know Amy as an artist. Uh, the support that she did have around her with the people that did love her that was difficult for her. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's such a back and forth with her in terms of her story and her life. And, oh, my God, this is such a an emotional film I, and, and uh, just a fantastic film. I, my hat's off to you, Asif, uh, for the work you did here. Thank you. I mean, I just hope, you know, it's too late for Amy. You know, now now yeah. when I go places, there's so much love for her. And it's, like, it's a sad thing is that she didn't necessarily get that love when she was around. Now, the, 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 the hoax, the daydreamer in me is always that, you know, the next time we see this happening to some kid, yeah. whoever they may be, that's got too much money, too much, you know, too many people saying yes around them too soon, whether or not people are going to just look and say, you know what, they, they probably need to step away from the limelight and get, you know, someone needs to keep an eye on them or look after them. At every level, you know, the studios, the record labels, the management, the family, the parents, the agents, all of them, the number of people I've spoken to now who sort of said, oh, you know what, it's the first time I feel guilty about what I do. My agent here in L.A. said, said that. You know, I never thought about it before. But, they, you know, they all know what's going on with their artists. And I think they, they, it just becomes too easy to just say, look away and say, it's not my responsibility. Someone else will be worrying about the talent. Right. Um, and I, I hope, you know, we, we, we just, you know, can try to be slightly different and not enjoy people's downfall as much as, you know, because that's the easy thing to do, and that's what happens too often in, in society. Yeah, um, yeah. We, you know, there's also this kind of obsession with people wanting to be on reality shows, wanting to be famous, wanting to, you know, get it all now without the hard work, and some often they haven't got a talent, but that's irrelevant in a way. It's about how how once you get there, it's not all that, you know, it may have been, you may have thought it was going to be. Well, Yes, I mean, the, the story, unfortunately, repeats itself. You've got Janice Joplin, you've got Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, you've got Jim Morrison, you've got Amy Winehouse, Winehouse and it, there's just, the, our, 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 artist, our artists uh, have, uh, we, we love to hate them and we hate to love them. I mean, it's the, kind the, of... The thing for me, though, is a lot of the people you mentioned, you know, you're talking about in the 60s or the 70s or, you know, they happened quite a few decades ago, most of them. Obviously, um, Kurt yeah. Cobain was more recently, but... Amy, I remember when, they, when we started making it, this kind of felt like it only happened yesterday. Yeah. And, and it, it's like, okay, so what have we learned? You know, what have we learned? What's changed? What's happened? Nothing. Um, there's something about the way it happened to her was what, what, what seemed very relevant is she was the girl that was famous, that particularly happened to, happen, happened to have the song Rehab, you know, come out when everything went digital. So she was the one that was being attacked by the paparazzi in a way that other people may not have been. You know, because suddenly newspapers and websites, you know, needed content every day. They needed update, updating constantly. Whereas previously, there'd been a newspaper or there'd be a music magazine, and it would be, you know, that was it, once every two weeks or a month or whatever. But now, suddenly, there was this paparazzi war going on. Yeah. 
yeah. in England. So everyone suddenly, she kept giving them footage and they just hounded her and followed her around on motorbikes and camped outside her house. And, yeah. you know, it was, she was a girl when Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and all of these things turned up. And so a bad concept from Amy would be online and everyone would be sharing it and commenting on it. And then she'd be of the age who'd be looking at that online and that would then make herself medicate even more. You know, so I think there was this, there is something for me different to that generation of the 60s and the 70s artists that yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. The fact that this happened like right in front of our eyes in this modern age, that there, there's something else going on there that we need to be aware of. And I think the audience are more complicit in a way. Because people who did this stuff in, in hotel rooms in the 70s, we didn't, we didn't really have much say in that. But the people who kind of attacked her or who laughed at her demise and enjoyed it online and laughed, that, that's something different. And I think that's what I wanted the audience in a way to feel a bit guilty yeah. and a bit angry about what happened and to think about it and to think about how easily it is for us to judge a kid, a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, 22-year-old, by what we're being given and their bad headlines being written online on websites on twitter whatever it may be yeah those those uh paparazzi scrums around uh, around her were just disgusting to watch uh to watch what was what was happening to her and and hopefully again this has been a very popular film um i'm sure it's it will continue to be seen and hopefully you know we can have a better frame of reference moving forward for people like Amy Winehouse and well, truly, truly one of the great voices and again are obviously instinctually knew what she wanted to do and, and had a, she had a, a gift and to see it no longer available for us to enjoy is it, it really truly it, the artistry is here in the film and it's also to, to watch something happen to a woman who's obviously vulnerable is heartbreaking and uh it, this is a great film I, i'm so glad you were able to find some time to for to uh, join us here on film school today right, it's, it's, it's good to talk to you again i think just what you said at the ending as well i think you're right I, I also think we should be said i do think a woman gets treated differently by the media and everyone than a guy would have been yeah I, I definitely I, much tougher on her you know the way she was treated yeah i, I was that is something it is. She was a vulnerable young woman. Somebody mentioned to me the fact that she was Jewish might have had an impact. I'm not sure how I that think all played. Most people in the U.S. didn't actually know she was Jewish. Yeah, but I don't know if that could have affected it. And I've said to when people have brought that up, I said, "Well, would you have been nicer had you known she was Jewish?" <laughs> you know, because the honest truth is, people here didn't know. Everyone in England knew she was Jewish. It's interesting, but it's it's quite a revelation, I think, to the audience in the U.S. to realize, "Oh no, I didn't even know she was Jewish." So I would say, "Well, what does that mean? Would you have been nicer?" Right. Well, I, did, I don't know. Let me ask you then. In 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 terms of England, was there a sort of a spin in that in on that fact? Does that matter? I, where I she I came from? I mean, the woman aspect for me, yeah, definitely played into how how yeah. you know there are other musicians out there, some of whom she was quite close to and have relationships with, who as guys are kind of just treated in a certain way because they've got a habit and because they're have their own problems, and a woman, you know, they, you literally have those horrible magazines that put a circle around a part of their body and zoom in and point an arrow saying, look at this, look at this, and yeah. you don't get that with guys, really. Yeah. And I, I think those tabloidy magazines definitely, it's, you know, I don't know what it is. They, their excuse is it's what sells, and if the audience didn't buy it or click on that website, you know, the most popular website in the world is the Daily Mail's 
kind of website which basically has everyone you know generally very tabloidy and most people looking at their worst um and and they all say well you know what if they didn't click on it or buy those magazines we would not publish it right now i i will i'll offer one small detail to that and that is in my opinion the fact that she was she had such a powerful voice she was such a distinct um artist in the way that she sang i haven't i don't know that i've heard anyone sing like her quite like her people mentioned billy holiday certainly obviously a, an influence there uh in some way and obviously tony bennett had an influence on her yeah and she phrasing. never mentioned billy holiday as a, as a as a reference video it was people like sarah vaughan okay sarah different vaughan. artists but yeah well but i mean i haven't heard I, I like jazz i like listening to jazz artists and i just she definitely was in that genre but that there was something in her voice and the way that she projected and the way that she phrased and like I said I keep coming back to this her instincts seem yeah. so true uh, and I don't I like I said I often wonder about people being threatened by powerful women I I, I you know whatever the the form may take mm. uh, I don't mm. know but uh, no you're right it's something there it's very it's there is another element there which is hard to put your finger on it she had something that made her totally unique and. She spoke out, and she she was quite. The the thing is, then, you know, everyone said she she kind of had this image of almost being like tougher than the guys, and I think that kind of worked against her because she was actually quite a tiny, very very petite woman. So then you've got her basically trying to keep what with all the men around, yeah. with whatever they're up to, you know, whether it's the drinking, whether it's the drugs, whether it's sex, whatever it might be, all of that becomes this idea of trying to keep up with everyone and being as tough as them when she's not. She is much smaller, and she hardly ate anything, yeah. you know, because there's the whole obsession of what a girl's got to look like, her body shape, her size, her hair, you know, all of that kind of thing, which guys don't get. Right, and and, and there are aspects of her physicality that, that became exaggerated, I know, for artistic effect, but it did seem that she, she to your point, it, she seemed to want to out-macho in her mm. way, in her feminine way, the people ar- around her and that she was dealing with. And I, I, yeah, boy, it, wow, I miss her. I want to hug her. I mean, I know what you're saying. You talked about yeah. it earlier. You just want to hug this woman and, and tell her it's going to be okay, that she's going to get through this and she's going to really, well, what could I say? I mean, it's, it's, it's history now. But, uh, but thank you for, for Amy for the film and for the documentary that uh, I'm sure is uh, it's getting acclaim all over the world as it as it well deserved and also my next project please please come back uh, we'll do yeah thank, thank you cracking on it <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thanks good, great talking to you take care see you bye bye You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.